This podcast is sponsored by Citizens Pay. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of What the Fintech, the podcast from the team behind Fintech Futures and the Banking Technology Magazine. My name is Paul Hindle, editor at Fintech Futures, and our guest for this episode is Gaurav Seti, Chief Products and Strategy Officer for Citizens Pay. Gaurav, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, Paul. Great to be here. It was great to have you here. And so just to get started, would you like to quickly introduce yourself to our listeners with a bit about yourself and role within at Citizens? Absolutely. Like you said, I'm the Chief Growth and Strategy Officer for Citizens Pay. I've been with the bank a couple of years and I'm responsible for our product and platform areas and developing our go-to-market strategy, which I've been doing since I joined right before the pandemic in 2020. I've had about a 22 plus year career in financial services and payments, most recently at JP Morgan Chase, as well as a stint at Capital One before that. Excellent. And with you on the show this week, we'll be diving a little bit more into buy now, pay later. We're going to be taking a look at its use as an omni-channel marketing solution for merchants, trends in BNPL and growth among consumers, and also industry regulation, the benefits that brings for consumers and merchants. But first, as always, is our news and number segments. This is where our guest has gone out and found a new story featuring an interesting number to discuss and get us started. So Gaurav, what have you brought along for us today? Interesting uh, article I saw on your website. The article is U.S. Consumer Finance Regulator to Outline Credit Card-like BNPL Protections. And what caught my eye in that article was something that we've been tracking here very closely, right, which is the growth of the BNPL sector. So the CFPB stated in that report that the BNPL sector has grown tenfold just since 2019. And the top five BNPL providers have combined for about $24 billion in loan volume. Right? And so that speaks to just the massive adoption rate of buy now, pay later by consumers and merchants just over the last three years or so. So this is a story, I mean, it's, so it's a CFPB have set outlined some new rules for BNPL just to ensure that consumers are covered by many of the same protections that have been established for credit cards. And I guess the interesting thing about this is obviously BNPL isn't a new thing. We have had credit products in the past, but like you say, this is a huge growth that we've seen for the industry in, in, for the, in the last couple of years. So, I mean, what do you think it is about BNPL then that, that is appealing to consumers at the moment? Right. So the biggest thing, right, is just consumer sentiment. If you look at how the sentiment has shifted, particularly during sort of two major events that have happened over the last dozen years or so, one is the pandemic, obviously. And before that, it was the recession of 2008, 2009. What we've seen is the consumer really shifting towards a much more transparent and easy to understand and easy to budget option to make large purchases, which the credit card payment schedule doesn't always allow. And everyone talks about, as a consumer, talks about how they really don't want to get into debt. But what they always consider is borrowing money for specific purchases, as long as it's a choice that they're making that fits into their budget and they know the payment schedule and are comfortable with paying that debt off. And that's what I generally see is the difference between purposeful borrowing and accidental debt. And 
buy now, pay later and point of sale financing really addresses that that key consumer sentiment, right? Which is I want a transparent way to borrow and not somewhat of a semi-transparent or opaque version of a financing tool where I may fall into accidental debt. The other thing that has changed, like I said, is just the ability for some consumers as well as the desire to get a credit card has shifted. And that kind of started with the 2008 recession where banks and issuers tightened credit. Consumers also saw a lot of unfortunate debt that either their family or friends or parents might have fallen into. And so the combination of either inability to get a credit card or the lack of desire to even want a credit card for those reasons, right, is also shifting that behavior. Here we are in part two of the podcast. This is our more interview style section where we focus the discussion into a specific industry topic or sector. So as mentioned today, we'll be taking a look at BMPL and we've covered a little bit about that as well in the news number section previously. As mentioned, huge explosion in popularity recently. So I guess first question then for you, Gaurav, and your position at Citizens is what trends are you seeing there then and where are some of the key areas of growth then for BMPL at the moment? Right. So the key area is a combination of the consumer behavior and the merchant adoption. I see a pretty rapid growth in the industry in the coming years. And just if you consider some of the statistics, right, and depending on which statistic you look at from a global perspective and from a U.S. perspective, buy now, pay later is still in the low to mid single digits as a percentage of total transactions that are happening in e-commerce and even lower at the point of sale, right, at the physical stores. And so there's just a lot of room to grow. And it's not a question of, will buy now, pay later options replace credit cards? The fact that buy now, pay later is going to continue to grow at a rapid pace because there's just so much room to grow. And like I said, the primary reason for that growth and the trend's going to continue is more and more consumers looking for a budget-friendly, transparent way to, to make large purchases, which the credit cards don't always support. On the flip side, the merchants have been looking at the explosion of buy now, pay later and the consumer sort of shift and are looking for more and more options for their own customers. Because every merchant's looking to innovate and figure out a better way to serve their customers and their needs, whether it's the needs to sell the product and or to buy the product in a way that they can finance. And those are the things that will continue to accelerate and such I see continued growth in the sector itself. Now, one key thing from a trend perspective is what is the regulatory environment as it relates to buy now, pay later, and where is that going? And there I see an increased regulatory scrutiny as that growth continues. And you've already seen some of that in the CFTB inquiry. And I think the bottom line, right, is the regulators are looking for ways to protect consumers. And the way the model works today is a little inconsistent. And what I mean by that is the more new fintech lenders that are typically offering a pay in four type product where you pay bi-weekly in four installments don't typically report those loans to the bureaus don't necessarily 
full credit bureau reports, look at ability to repay that debt. And as a result, you've got a slightly complicated situation where there might be consumers borrowing through these services at multiple places and have multiple loans that have all been in the shadow, don't get recognized because they're not reported. And that could lead to the consumers being overburdened with debt. So we strongly believe in that. We strongly believe that both reporting to the bureaus is important for their financial health, but also looking at the ability to pay is important to make sure that we're protecting the consumer and not putting them in harm's way. So those are some of the key things we will look at from a trend perspective. The last thing I'll say is the there's going to be a shift, in my opinion, in how both the fintech lenders as well as the more traditional bank lenders are going to play in the sector, right? So you're going to see more and more bank and issuers come into the space. Um, you're probably going to see a little bit of consolidation in the fintech space. But at the end of the day, I think merchants and consumers are look, going to look for a more consumer-friendly or customer-friendly way to borrow. And merchants are going to look for a more sophisticated way to, to provide services to their customers, right? Not just a widget or not just a, a simple payment tool, but how can I do more than that? So there's going to be a lot more sophistication, I believe, in this area. Yeah, I guess one of the key criticisms of BNPL was always that that lack of regulation, people potentially falling into more debt. So it is great to see, you know, as we mentioned with the article in the news and numbers section, CFPB looking to come in on that and really reduce that risk of borrower overextension, which is something that they've been looking into. So I guess, you know, it seems like that on, on the things that couldn't come sooner enough. With looking at the trends and stuff, I mean, it seems like Gen Z particularly is really getting big on BNPL. So what is it specifically about BNPL you might be thinking is appealing to, to that target audience? Sure. And it goes back to wanting a predictable, safe way to borrow it is usually important. Gen Z has particularly seen both the devaluation of the use of credit cards and are, are looking for an easier, more transparent way to, to borrow for things, particularly large purchases. Now, one, one thing we've started to see, right, is particularly for Gen Z, it's becoming more prevalent for Gen Z customers to use buy now, pay later for multiple things, not just larger purchases. And so that's a distinction that we've definitely seen where the more sort of historical way to use coin of sale financing or buy now, pay later was uh, somewhat limited to larger ticket purchases, luxury items, electronics, jewelry, et cetera. That's shifted Gen Z to what you would maybe consider everyday type purchases, apparel and footwear, th those kinds of things. And so it's become a little bit of a just way to pay for things, not necessarily the way to pay for just large purchases. The other thing that applies more broadly, but definitely applies a little bit more to the Gen Z crowd is the impact of inflation as we get into times that are going to be potentially recessionary. Everyone's sort of predicting, and I don't have a crystal ball, but we're all preparing for some type of a potential recession. Inflation results in rising costs, recession leads to wage decline or job loss, right? And so that impacts Gen Z customers a little bit more than the Gen X consumer. And so buy not pay later becomes a better tool and a better way to ensure that they're paying off 
things that they're buying and not putting a lot of debt in, on their credit card. And again, it falls back into the category of what tool am I going to use, which gives me more clarity and a better predictability of paying off uh, my debt and not get into accidental or burden of debt. And that's why Gen Z typically sees buy now, pay later as a better tool for that. Excellent. I mean, I guess we've spoken a fair bit then about the benefits for consumers, but what about merchants then? What are, what are some of the key benefits and use cases for them? Yeah, good question. So it's also evolving for sure, right? During the last five years, when what you'd consider a, a little bit of the initial buy now, pay later boom in the mid 2015 to 2020 time period, merchants were trying to figure out what the role of buy now, pay later is relative to credit cards and private label credit cards, et cetera. And there was a lot of, I would say, me too thinking in terms of what their competitors are offering and maybe trying things like BNPL without necessarily fully understanding sort of the benefit. So there was a lot of test and learn, I would say, right? That was happening. Over the last two to three years, we've seen that that shift where merchants are now really recognizing the value of BNPL that it, that, that it provides to their bottom line. They're looking at sales, incremental sales as a important KPI. They're also looking at the ability to attract new customers to their franchise by providing access to financing as a way to attract them. And they're also now getting a little bit more sophisticated in how they use buy not pay data. And this is somewhat new, I feel like, but has started to show up in a lot of our conversations with larger retailers where merchants are not just looking for another way to pay, right? So not just another button in checkout, which by itself is advantageous, but how do we do more than that, right? Meaning how do we use buy now, pay later to provide more sophisticated solutions like let's say a device as a service bundle, or how do we enable upgrades by using a buy now, pay later as a tool to do that. So there's a lot of sophistication that's happening that more sophisticated merchants who've had the test and learn and have seen the value of buy now, pay later are now getting more used to. Excellent. And looking at Citizens Pay specifically then, you won the Best Innovation Award at the Banking Tech Awards USA this year. So first of all, congratulations on that. Can you tell us a little bit more then about that offering and what makes it stand out from other BNPL solutions? Absolutely. Yeah. And thanks for that. Yes, we did win the Banking Tech Award USA for our innovative solution. And what we've been talking about during this podcast is reflective of how Citizens Pay has evolved, right? So the reason I believe we won the award is we look at ourselves more than just a fintech or a financial provider for our partners. We look at ourselves as a core marketing or strategy partner for our merchant partners, where we're bringing a whole suite of solutions that allows for greater flexibility, whether it's for financing larger ticket items or a longer duration time, because paying for over two months or four biweekly payments is not always the solution for every size of item, or more sophisticated bundles where we're doing devices as a service, as we've done with our Xbox program right, where someone who wants to buy both the device, but then also wants the 
all access pass, which is their gaming pass, combining those two provides value to the consumer because it's cheaper to bundle it that way. It provides value to our partner because now they're offering both of those things in a single payment. And it provides obviously value to us because we're generating more loyal customers. So it's those kinds of things that we really look at when we're offering our solution to our clients. So as you can see, right, it's very different from a typical fintech solution, which is quite honestly a, a one size fits all. It's again, typically a pay and for schedule. And there's not a whole lot of either customization, right, in terms of what the merchant wants. When you're trying to gain 100,000 merchants on a platform, by definition, you're not going to have a deep relationship where you're customizing and putting a lot of support behind strategic partnerships with those merchants. So it becomes a set it and forget it type model versus we intend to be very highly strategic, highly consultative and work with fewer but deeper relationships with, with those merchants. And I think all of those things reflect the product we've built and the team we've built. And I think that's the result of how we got the award. And what, and what kind of growth have you seen for Citizens Pay so far? Is, and, and how do you see that kind of developing into the future? Yeah, so we're seeing incredible growth in both our volumes and the customers we are acquiring. We're very focused on building, like I said, fewer but deeper, more meaningful partner relationships. And we're focused on a few key verticals. So we feel like we have a very strong presence in consumer electronics with a lot of our relationships. Uh, I think as we've discussed with, with Microsoft and Apple and others, we are also expanding into a number of key verticals, particularly in the home arena. So home improvement, home fitness, home furniture, that's been a growing vertical for us. Healthcare has been another area where we've seen our model become disruptive. And primarily we're focused right now in dental, but also looking at other healthcare opportunities. And lastly, I'll, I'd say travel is another sector where we've started to make some really good growth traction there. So those are the things that we're doing just from a building out our B2B business, so to speak, from a, a merchant perspective. And then we're doing more to engage the customers that we do have. So we're rolling out a new mobile app for our customers. We're trying to build more connectivity for our customers to offer more solutions and more products across the bank. And so not all customers are going to need a checking or a savings account, but a lot of our customers, uh, particularly the younger ones, have needs around their first mortgage or a student refi loan. And we bring the entirety of the bank. And that's another area of growth opportunity for us. Excellent. And I guess to finish this section off then, where do you think the, the BMPL space goes from here then? I mean, do we going to expect the same amount of growth over the next few years or is it going to start to plateau? How do you see things evolving? Yeah, good question. I mean, obviously no one really has a crystal ball, but looking at the historical data, looking at what we are seeing in our own experience and looking at where the market is today, the few things to keep in mind. One is we are just barely scratching the surface when it comes to the proportion of transaction volume that's happening across e-commerce and the physical retail stores that, that leverage buy not pay later. So there's absolutely a ton of runway and a ton of room to grow. And again, I keep saying 
buy not pay later is not going to replace credit cards. Credit cards continue to play a very important role, but the totality of the pie keeps growing as consumers continue to expand and grow and buy not pay later has hardly scratched the surface, right? So we're sort of, like I said, in the two to 4% of total transaction volume. So that's definitely providing tailwinds for that growth to continue. Consumer sentiment isn't going to shift back to give me more or less transparent ways to borrow. And so as more and more people adopt and get used to a better way to pay for things, just like Gen Z, right, you're going to have more generations look at that and say, yeah, that makes sense for other purchases, not just the one-time large purchase. And so that's going to be another tailwind. And merchants are also going to test, learn, and figure out the role of buy now, pay later relative to their other payment tools. And as we collectively as an industry show how it's advantageous for them to grow their sales and bring more loyal customers, et cetera, more and more merchants are going to adopt it. So all of those are tailwinds for this to keep growing. Now, obviously, it's not all rosy. You've got inflation and a potential recession, you've got more regulation. And so all of those things are going to keep, at least maybe in the short term, a little bit of a check in terms of how much that growth is going to accelerate. And so I see that more as a, not even a pause, but a little bit of a watch and see over the next 12 months or so. But as the environment clears and then more people get out of a potential recession and the economy recovers, I think we're going to see the same type of growth rates that we've seen in the last three years. Here we are in part three of the podcast. This is the FinTech Jail. This is where we ask for an industry term, buzzword, or trend that our guest has seen or heard enough of. We will then debate whether it deserves a place in the jail or if it's already there, whether it needs an extended sentence. Or, of course, our guests can argue to free one of the previously incarcerated terms. So, Gaurav, which buzzword do you want to hand a sentence to or free from the jail today? This is fun. So I I looked at some of the previous words that you've put in the jail, and I'm going to argue to release customer-centric out of jail. And let me elaborate on that, right? So as a business, regardless of what industry you're in, fintech, non-fintech, banks, or apparel, or travel, or whatever, if you're not customer-centric, you don't have a business. And so I just feel so passionate about making sure that everything we do, not just as citizens pay, but every business, if they don't have that lens, then it's not going to be a viable business for them. And so (laughs) I I just was surprised when I saw customer-centric in the jail. And so that's what I would advocate to release. Yeah, so this was added back in season two, episode 16. And I think when it was added, I think it was actually added for a similar reason as to what you're advocating to release it in that, I guess the assumption is everything should be customer-centric from the get-go, right? And so it becomes then maybe superfluous saying it as it should be as a given. I guess otherwise every press release that lands lands in my inbox would be saying every product is customer-centric and stuff, right? But so you still think place for the term then it should be coming out and released back into the society then, I guess. Yeah, my argument is not everyone necessarily thinks of their business model, let's say, as a customer-first business model. There are companies that differentiate from others because of 
how customer centric they were. And that's what causes a dramatic shift. And by not pay later is a good example of that, where some of the players looked at the customer pain points and said, we really need to disrupt the credit card industry and the way people borrow. And so I would argue while everyone might say they're customer centric, there's a very different sort of lens that some companies put, which is how do I solve the broader, bigger problems that the customer or consumer may not even realize was a problem. Apple is another good example of that, but that happens in across every industry. And that's where disruption happens. Disruption is another term that's in your jail. And I get that because I imagine everyone wants to be a disruptor, but truly that's what differentiates customer centricity is what differentiates who might be a disruptor versus a, you know, also ran or someone who's just doing the bare minimum checking the box in this dimension. Excellent. Well, I think you make a really good case for it then and go off. So I'm more than happy to, to place it out on bail from the jail for the moment. And obviously if there's anyone listening who feels some kind of injustice has been done or they start seeing the word popping up a lot more than maybe previously they had, it can always come back on, but uh, I'm willing to give it a granted release from the jail initially for this time. Awesome. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> Well, that's all we have time for this episode. Thanks, of course, to Gora for joining me. As for Fintech Futures, you can find us online at www.fintechfutures.com, on Twitter at Fintech Futures, and of course, on LinkedIn. If you like this podcast and our other episodes, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcasting service to get notified about future episodes. As always, thank you very much for your support, and we'll see you again soon for another episode of What the Fintech. But until then, goodbye. Thank you.